Hello everyone, and welcome to the Quorum Podcast. This is where academic medicine meets remote, austere, and resource-limited areas. Welcome back to the Quorum Podcast. Today I am with Tia Pietalainen, who is a nurse with the Red Cross, and she has a lot of experience in difficult areas in the world. Uh, hello, Tia. Welcome to the program. Hello, Ebrey. Thank you for inviting me. So tell me about yourself and the work you're doing. Okay. Hello. My name is Teja Pietilainen. I'm coming from Finland and I have been nurse about 25 years. And at the moment, I've been working in the more like pre-hospital uh, care in, in ambulance and patients transportation in the like a flight nurse. But at the same time, I'm also doing like humanitarian aid work as a Red Cross delegate. Um, I'm delegate. I've been delegate about ten years, so I'll be working as a, in the national society in Finland, like an emergency response unit, different countries, different settings. What I can talk later on more, and also I just came from the South Sudan with the ICIC, what is also working like a war wounded patients. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about South Sudan and uh, your experiences there. Before we talk about South Sudan, I, I met you in Malta. How did you come across the college and, and what courses did you take with us? Yeah, thank you for the Malta course. And it was very nice to meet you and very, very useful for me. And I don't know, is it my lucky stars or what is in happening in universe? But I was doing some of the emergency nurse uh, project in the, in the Finland, in the oil industry. And there was, we were like uh, emergency nurses who were taking care of the constructions. There was like 5,000 people around the Europe and many countries. And there I found some Finnish, Finnish uh, paramedic who was uh, actually, I think he was kind of the teaching for you, uh, teaching with you or having these courses. And that Mikko, greetings to Mikko, if you ever are listening to that, I haven't seen you after that. He he was uh, telling excellent and interesting stories about what you're doing in the Quorum. And straight away, I Googled <laughs> it, and I always have wanted to be like a flight nurse. Uh, and, and then I found that you have your flight primary course as well, and the remote medicine course. So it was more like what I needed about the working in the field hospital. So I took like the... TTMS, like a tropical medicine uh, online course, and also the eye care, a critical care course. And I have found them both very useful for me, what I'm doing at the moment. So you, you did the eye care, the, the intensive care for austere remote environments. Has that helped your practice at all in, in remote areas? Yeah, actually, the last time when I was in the I don't know, are we allowed to go to the South Sudan already? But there I was doing like med-evac. We were two, two nurses doing the med-evac. So we have like two helicopters and five, uh, sorry, seven patients. So so you were, you were in Sudan at the time you were taking our courses. So you, you, you then went back to South Sudan after. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, after after that. So I really need these skills when, when we were taking MedEvac for these seven war wounded patients who were having the like of fights about two days before. So yes, I needed these skills. <laughs> you attended the course uh, last summer and that's what, nine months ago. And Sudan was 
a bit more stable then, uh, if you can call it that, uh, than it is now. So tell us about Sudan. Tell us about your experiences in Sudan and, and what you learned. Yeah, for, for me, it was like a first time working in the ICIC, which is working with the war wounded. And the, I'm not sure if people know that the South Sudan is have, have been independent about 10 years ago uh, from the Sudan. But the conflict in the whole Sudan have been beginning for the 1978 when the ICIC also first time went there about the ongoing um, unstable conflict area. Um, like in 2013, uh, there was uh, 10 years ago the independence war against South Sudan and Sudan. And after that, there have been the whole time like uh, outsiders, resident and mobile staff about the doing more medical, like a surgical team uh, work because there is a lack of the healthcare, lack of the knowledge, lack of the people who can do about surgical more wounded patients care. So it was uh, all the time, it was very fragile situation. You never know when attacks can happen. And there is a lot of like um, power of power, unstability, the, who will be the leader, unmilitary groups and military groups and many, many groups which are fighting about the power and the natural resources. And I think that's the situation what had been happened in the Darfur and uh, leading to the Khartoum area. Khartoum is, uh, Darfur area, sorry, is also so near about the South Sudan border. And there have already been about the <clears throat> violences inside the country. So I'm really being frightened about what will happen in the South Sudan as well. Because they, quite often these complicated conflicts, they are going to spare very fast. Indeed. So you were based in Khartoum? No, I was based in, in the South Sudan in Juba. And and there was also it was it wasn't in that any that kind of conflict, but all the time, every day, there was some changings about the like uh, governmental and and military. So you never know when they will be not so uncomfortable anymore to each other and they're taking about the arms. So it was fragile all the time. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm fascinated with the practice of healthcare in these austere environments. So tell me, what was your setup there? What, what were you in a, in a was a pre-hospital? Were you treating locals? Were you just treating expats or what was, what was your job like? Yeah. So I was happy because I was doing my first um, onboarding ward nurse mission in the ICIC. So it was like, uh, there have been like a hospital 10 years, what, which have been sparing and sparing all the time. It was with the Juba military hospital, like 2013, when the conflict begin and ICIC, uh, begin to start giving about the support for the South Sudan with that surgical medical team. The Juba military, actually South Sudan military, uh, and government wanted some healthcare support. And ICIC was uh, starting to co-working with that Juba military hospital. And it's a government-done hospital where is coming all the patients around the, around the country. And ICIC is only working with the war wounded. And it always uh, can be like a revenge killing in the, in different different parts of the country. So the ICIC is also having that flight uh, patient transportation from the different area 
where is the like subdelegations who are looking about the criteria the patients can be they are fit to fly for the having the surgical uh, treatment in that hospital so it's mostly mm. there is like two hospitals in the whole country we are which are doing that war wounded surgical care so there have to be very limited criteria who will benefit about that that they will survive and mostly it had been first beginning for the men's, but now we have found out that there is more about also civilians, also women, mm. like pregnant women, also children. So all the guidelines, all the hospital settings have to be think about again uh, differently. Well, so you were doing surgical care. Were you in surgery as well with assisting with with uh, reconstructing and, and, and damage control surgery? Yeah, yeah, there was like a damage control surgery and mostly because of the acute uh, emergency surgical. Uh, I was doing like a patient transportation. I was also in the HDU. I was also supporting nurses in the different war. And one uh, one night when there they came about few, it was like four uh, trans- med-, med evac patients and three of them need of about the laboratory uh, straight away. So there was only mm. our uh, mobile staff to, because the uh, resident staff to hook, have to go home up before the six o'clock because the security reason. So we were carry on with our teams until the 10 o'clock. And of course there are security things, how to take care of us home after that. So, so yeah, I was doing different kind of things because I've been <laughs> working so long time. So it was interesting. Wow. So you, you were driving around Sudan with war wounded. And, and I mean, was it was it dangerous to transport these patients? Um, and that situation, it was more like a fragile because we went to the area where was um, when we were landed. I was looking, it was like in movies where were you looking up at some Vietnam War, war movies where are the people in the push? You can see them up and the UN soldiers. So I was wondering what will happen in here. But at the moment, we noticed that there was uh, some kind of the more revenge skills in some some tribes, and there wasn't any attack for the humanitarian aid workers at the moment. And also, ICIC is also have talking about a lot of like uh, healthcare interchanger issues for the military groups and some tribes and the people, civilians around the country, that they know that not to affect the healthcare workers. But of course, it was mostly challenging. It was so hot and I worry about the patients. And of course, it's not like in the Finland when you're doing patient transportation or some safe country. You're actually in the whole time in the mission, you're having like the more instincts and more prepared all the time that something might be happened. You keep your radio on, electricity on, and your safe rooms on that you know that two minutes and you're ready to go to safe. So at the moment, uh, I didn't felt uh, like a danger, but I have been like ready all the time. Wow. So how is that? I mean, you're, you're, you're driving in a war zone. And you're, you're, well, you have a checkpoint with one side of the, the conflict and then you drive through and you have another checkpoint with the other side of the conflict. How are you treated between the, the two warring factions? Yeah, that's actually the, also there some knowledge and information what the protection delegates are doing with the IC. I see that they are trying to uh, give the information that every patient, every people who are war wounded will give the 
nursing and the surgical care. And it's not about the what side. It's not taking the side, not giving opinions. And, and it was sometimes difficult in the hospital when you saw that there were different tribes, people in the same ward. And they were kind of, of course, we have to think about that they are not feeling themselves uh, unsecure there. So when they are fighting each others and they are bringing to the same hospitals, there was many things. It still carry on about the diplomacy and neutrality, what you have to think all the time. Wow. So you, you never had any problems with two enemies in the same ward? Maybe it was because I don't understand the uh, language. And also they have their own languages that they are not always uh, understand each other's. And many of these African countries, because they have so many tribes and so many uh, uh, languages, it's almost about they can notice each other about how they are happy and are they long or are they like short persons. But mostly because they are wounded and if there are some uh, like example external fixation, they can't move and so on. <laughs> so it's quite safe. And it's always no guns uh, sign in the outside of the hospital. So they know not bringing guns to the hospital. That's interesting. It's, it's like a, a safe zone. So they, they can be it in conflict with each other, but they can be side by side in the hospital and be fine. Yeah, but it's only decision if you want to survive and have the treatments. Then another choice is to be in the push by yourself and because there is not healthcare like uh, services. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a decision what you want to choose. Wow. So so if the ICRC wasn't there, where would these people go? What what treatments, uh, what, what facilities are available for the war, war wounded? It's so difficult. They might be so in the bush that there are not any transportation for the, any healthcare uh, system. Some of them have some traditional heal, healers. Some of them might have some local clinics, but some of them might have some like subdelegations where it's like basic health, the public health needs. But mostly, uh, okay, you can you can stop about a bleeding, like a life-threatening bleeding. But the, after that, it might might be that if you are not having surgical cleaning for that, like recovering cleaning, the patient might have the infections and have sepsis and died. So there is no there is no healthcare facilities, and mm. and it's it's difficult. I've read some of those traditional healers are putting camel dung into wounds and probably making it a lot worse. Yeah, you never know. I have, I don't, yeah. I can't say because I don't have any experience about them. So during your time there, what what would be a a memorable patient? Is there one case that stands out uh, in your memory and uh, it affected your day to day living? Okay, maybe it was one uh, twelve years old uh, girl who was having the gunshots for the faces. And when she was in the HDU, she was very under the blanket with the nasocatry tube and the tracheostomy and and all these. There, there wasn't any external fixation for the mandibula, but some kind of the support, what they, they made a surgical treatment. And after weeks and the weeks, she went to the ward. And when she actually the first time uh, got all these tubes off and she was smiling and walking outside and and see see eyes was so bright and lightning that I really felt like inside my soul that 
that's good way we are treating them. They are happy and maybe it's the children. They, they are so nice when they are recovering. Wow. That, that is remarkable to, to be shot in the face and then be able to walk out with a smile at the end of that. Yeah, and because the uh, teenage, the gunshot for the faces and the woman, so it's it's she recovered and she was smiling and going back home with mother. Imagine if she had gone to one of those remote healthcare clinics or a local healer, uh, her chances of yeah. uh, being um, wow. Yeah, that's true. This is all through the ICRC, the Red, the Red Cross. What made you choose to join the ICRC? That's a very good question. I actually haven't been thinking about that. When I first realized that I was sitting in the nursing school <laughs> and I really didn't think ever I will be the nurse, for the, that, that moment I was more and more exciting about more complicated and more acute, more emergency, more difficulties in the healthcare setting. So I just, when I get in about that uh, medical and nursing uh, science, I was more exciting about the remote and where, where it's having a coming a lot of challenges. So I was always wanted to go to see like war wounded patients and, and also to doing the difficult med evacs. So I was very happy. I don't know. It was my destiny or something. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm lucky stars again. Did you get to choose it? And so you joined the ICRC. Do they sit down and say, okay, where do you want to go? No, it, it's actually quite, it, it's my passion what get me through the old educations and trainings and the interviews and language tests for them. And then I was accepted for the pool in the, before the COVID and then happy to COVID a global pandemic and it stopped like everything. And then they offered for me after that, because I have been in the list that there is the place if you wanted to go. And they were also asking from the our National Society of Finnish Red Cross that if I would, I'm kind of the staff of loan, if they can give me to go. And they, mm. that it's actually the South Sudan have been the place they have been many times sending people to maybe testing, are we available and are we good to do that job? So once you've done this deployment, do you have a choice on the next one with ICRC? Um, actually, the situation they have been talking, it will be a little difficult at the moment, uh, financial dif um, difficulties because of the COVID and the Ukraine crisis. And mm. uh, they deployed me for the rapid deployment team that if there's coming kind of the fast uh, going ongoing so they might ask me to go but i'm also also like uh, the emergency response unit in finland uh, who are doing working with the different countries national societies so i'm been uh, doing many things different kind of things so i will be my profile will be good for the natural natural disasters or man made disasters some field hospitals or mobile clinics or patient transportation. So I'm really happy waiting for this next mission. And I don't know if there's coming to Syria in, in the beginning of the summer. Let's wait that. All right. So uh, when you did your first job at ICRC, did they give you any additional training before sending you to Sudan? 
Yeah, this is for me the first in the ICIC, but uh, like uh, I have been coming the Red Cross 10 years ago, so I have my own training in the Finnish Red Cross and they are kind of the connected. So there have been many of the training these last 10 years for me, mm. but they didn't give any special uh, training for that. It's about the profile, what they are looking for, if there are some people capable and after that if they are accepting after an interview there's coming about these like the seven principles and the basic need uh, about the organization so when you went to the sudan is there any training that you wish you could have had to that would have prepared you more uh no actually that uh, moment i was there is also actually i see having kind of the war wounded um uh, uh, training, but it's more like surgical and anesthesis doctors. So I really like the, what the quorum gave me in the eye care. <laughs> so <laughs> I recommend that to everyone. And also I recommend about the tropical medicine if you want to uh, like feel hospital. You never know what the patient might have. They might have, the ma- mainly they are like a public health needs which, which are coming to acute because of the conflict and the lack of the uh, health care. But there is always about some drama, some small drama what might happen when they are running away if there's some earthquake coming hitting to you so whatever people want to do don't specialize too much for the one Mm. do get knowledge about the many things so it will be much easier because people are having in conflict setting many different kind of the needs so did you see any tropical diseases in sudan no, I didn't. There was like a titanus, and and but the patient was before that, and probably we were thinking about some patient that might have like a yellow fever, and he came about the war wounded, and we did a laparostomy, but the surgeons say that it might be something tropical disease would have destroyed his. Uh, 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 abdomen before that so it was really mm. interesting when we are opening the stomach is there some like a clean normal war wound or something but there was something mess something extra we didn't understand what is that so so sometimes this won't might and there's some shooting might uh, save someone's life <laughs> it's interesting well, yeah that is interesting if you come in for a war wounded and then you open them up and find the tropical disease or the the remnants that the the um, scars from uh, visceral leishmaniasis or or something that would definitely alter the the abdominum. That's um, that's interesting. Yeah, and of course the malaria. Malaria. It's yeah. So, do you know what kind of malaria they had? The mostly, mostly, but the normal uh, symptoms of the malaria, and I didn't remember what's the malaria. What is the most common there? Because there's two hundred different kind of the mosquitoes and different kind of the malaria. So the most yeah. common malaria, they many of them have them and have some antibiotic for that. And that's for your specialty. I didn't make that course yet. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I can imagine if you're if they're there for war wounded, uh, malaria isn't as high on the list of fixing their problems than their their gunshot wounds. So I, I understand that. So now that you're back, what's your 10-year plan? What, 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 what are you going to do next? Yeah, um, for the next years, I really would like to do these like uh, humanitarian aid missions for different organizations and different conflicts and different uh, natural disasters. 
And meanwhile, I'm in Finland. I would like to do like the, my normal day job in the like ambulance or the patient's transportation. And of course, if there's coming kind of the projects like last year, I was coordinating the mobile clinics in Finland for the reception centers when it was coming the Ukrainian conflict and a lot of mm. people movements. So I don't know. The world will decide what will happen. So <laughs> that I will do. Maybe write a book. <laughs> I think you should write a book. You you definitely have a lot of interesting stories uh, to add on to that. You just joined NATO. So Finland is now the uh, a NATO member. Has that changed anything for you in the Red Cross? No, at the moment. But I think it's uh, uh, from the war, the civil war against uh, the war against the Russian 1939 to the 40, uh, Finland have decided to be like uh, very diplomacy and doing like a business and cultural changing with the neighbor relationships. So, but I think in the behind that have all time been like the preparedness and it's, it have been like a silent preparedness and mostly I think it have been working with the silent preparedness with the NATO before. And maybe changing about the trainings, maybe changing that we are having more carry on about the training with like Peltian countries, you and the NATO together, being more in the, uh, international as well, even it's haven't saw that before. So, yeah, I hope we will have a lot of uh, challenge to change about the knowledges to different countries and supporting each other these times. Yeah, that's that's what NATO is about. That's what EU is about as well, supporting each other and being part of a team. And now you're part of the NATO team as well. So that's fantastic. Yeah, that's good. You've popped up on the quorum radar off and on for a while, taking online CPD courses. And, and then you attended uh, some courses in Malta. And uh, we're, we're delighted to have you as one of our alumni. And we look forward to seeing what you can do as you move forward in your career. Yeah, let's see what will happen next. Yeah, all these courses, what I have found from you, it's really have been supporting and giving me more idea what I want to do. So <laughs> I recommend to everyone. <laughs> Good deal. Uh, well, well, thanks be, for being on a guest on the podcast. That was quite interesting to hear your, your input on Sudan and on your experiences. Thank you very much. And I'm happy to carry on your courses and see you someday some places again and and welcome to Finland as well This has been a presentation from the College of Remote and Offshore Medicine Foundation. If you would like to earn CPD credit for this podcast, you can join the Council of Members. Being a member of the college gives you free CPD credits, free access to the virtual field guide, and discounts on our e-learning courses. You can join the team on the college website, which is quorum, C-O-R-O-M, quorum.org.